God is certainly here this morning. What an awesome worship time we had this morning. Um, I love Church Unlimited. The kids love the crash in Sunday school. I love what we're called to do. Called as an apostolic influence. Called as an arrow, as an arrow of truth winning souls. Called to ignite God's fire and power. And called into the nations. And each year we have a conference in Auckland where we get together. And this year's theme is Suddenly. So this morning I wanted to look at that word, suddenly, because when something is named, it brings with it a meaning, and this morning we all know what suddenly means, immediately, instantly, unexpectedly, without warning, and something that happens just like that. So there's suddenlies found all through the Bible, but this particular suddenly that's written over here is special, it's different. It's not your everyday suddenly. It's something that comes quickly, but it's unexpected, mind-blowing. Something you've never dreamed of, and it's out of the box. It's what I would call an unusual miracle. So this particular special suddenly, it's only found three places in the entire Bible. All in the book of Acts. We've got Acts chapter 2. The unexpected outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It comes at Acts chapter 16. The unexpected breakthrough when Paul and Silas are broken out of prison. And it comes in Acts chapter 28. The unexpected protection when Paul is bitten by a snake and he doesn't die. So this is exciting and this is interesting. Each time this special word is used, it's the Greek word ethno. And I've noticed that... It comes before a particular time of worship. Then we see this special suddenly, this unexpected, unusual miracle. And then what follows is always salvation. So what I want to know this morning is, are you in need of a suddenly in your life? Because I believe there's a blueprint, a blueprint for experiencing a mind-blowing suddenly. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 2, or we have it on the screen. And while you do that, I'll just pray. And Holy Spirit, we're drawing close to you this morning. And God, we're crying out for some unexpected suddenlies this morning. An outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Some breakthroughs in Jesus' name. And God, we're coming in, in the authority that your name brings. And we are declaring that there's suddenlies in this house this morning that are going to take place as we worship and draw near to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm excited to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Jesus has just died on the cross and risen again and he's appeared to people for a period of 40 days. He appears to the disciples and over 500 people at one time. A lot of people have seen him. He's about to ascend into heaven and he tells the disciples to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately for us, the best suddenlies come after the longest wait, eh? 
You know, like those stories of women who are single for such a long time, and then suddenly the man of their dreams turns up and blows their mind. You know those stories of when someone has an accident as a young child and they live their life with this limp, and then they go to church, someone prays for them, and suddenly they're healed? Cool stories. What about those stories of young people who are prophesied, prophesied over as a young person, and they live their life and they don't see the fruit of this prophecy and they get a little bit disillusioned and then all of a sudden, you fill in the blank. The disciples didn't actually have to wait that long. That's why I love this unexpected suddenly. They only had to wait about 10 days from the time Jesus told them to wait until this incredible outpouring of the Spirit. So remember our pattern? We've got a particular aspect of worship, a suddenly, and then we've got salvations. So let's look at the first aspect of worship. And the first thing I see from Acts chapter 2 is when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They worshipped together. So it's Pentecost, and on the day of Pentecost, you had to meet together. It's an obligation. But the disciples didn't meet out of pressure or obligation. They met because they wanted to be together. Luke chapter 24, verses 51 and 53. Jesus just told them to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. When they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, or then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. They worshipped together. My most significant encounters with God and moments of direction for my life were worshipping together with the people of God at camps and church services. And I hate missing church because I'm scared I'm going to miss out on what God has for that day, for that moment. Something that Laniata said at Life Group was awesome and it stuck with me was that Jesus appeared to 500 people, over 500 people, but where were they on this day of Pentecost when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out? Had they lost hope in the, in the short wait time? Did they think that meeting together wasn't very important? Unfortunately, they missed out on an unexpected, mind-blowing suddenly. These days we've noticed that people don't hold coming to church in very high regard. They think it's not that important. But when we look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I used to work at a youth camp. It was the most awesome job in the world. And I would notice that youth would come and they'd be there for a week or more and they would be on fire for God. God, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And then they'd go home. And after a wee while, we would notice a trend where their Facebook page was turned from verses about God and being on fire to talking about parties and drinking and other things. And the pattern there was, is that when they're together with the people of God, worshipping, God is filling them and they're inspired. And it showed me how important it was to worship together. They had a saying at camp that you come to camp and it's like a service station. You're filled up and then you leave. And then you come back to camp again and then you're filled up. It's like a service station and then you leave. But what they didn't realise and what we should have been drilling into them was that you 
don't need the service station because it's with you wherever you go. You can go to any church and be filled with the Spirit. You can meet with any Christians and be filled with the Spirit. Worshipping together is so important. Pastor Tuck's latest message on unleashing God's power is about how important praise is as a weapon. He says, if you're lifting up the sun, you're pulling down the serpent. When I was a young girl, we used to go to church, and I've noticed a pattern where some mornings on Sunday we would come through the front door, and other mornings we would go through the back door. And I'm just a little girl noticing this happening. Some days the front door. Some days we'd even walk past the front door and we'd go in the back door. And I noticed that it was when we were on time, we'd go through the front door. Hey everyone, how's it going? When we were late, we were, we were sneaking in the back door. And I know it's really hard to get to church on time. And I reckon it's because the devil doesn't want you there on time. He wants you to miss out on as much praise and worship as possible. Pastor Tark shares about a prophet who once was casting out a demon. And the demon talked back to him. And he said, I hate it when you praise and when you clap. It's like you're slapping us in the face. It's pretty interesting. So now we will see the fruit. So we've got the worship together, we've got the sudden outpouring, and now the fruit is salvation. Acts chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, and God added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's my heart to see God's Spirit poured out in a mighty way here at Kaitai and across the churches. To see salvations daily, that's my suddenly. What would church look like if every one of us set ourselves on fire for God during the week? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then come together on Sunday for a big bonfire for Jesus? I would love that. And I love that Pastor Paul encouraged us to do that. And then God add to our number, daily those who are being saved. Okay, so the second suddenly, the unexpected breakthrough. This is Paul and Silas, and they're broken out of prison. They're on their way to the place of prayer. And I reckon it would probably have been a Thursday at 5.30 in the conference room. Just put that little advert in there. Now they're on the way to the place of prayer and they're met by a slave girl who's predicting the future. And she's really annoyed. Like she's saying all this stuff about how the messengers of the Most High God are telling you the way to be saved. But she's saying all the right things, but not in the right spirit. And they get annoyed at her and they cast the demon out and it leaves. They get into heaps of trouble because she earns heaps of money. And they're dragged into the marketplace. False accusations. They're arrested. They're even beaten. And they're thrown into the inner cells of a prison. And their feet are fastened in the stocks. So we're at Acts chapter 16, 25 and 26. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining to God and people around them about their hardships. Oh, is that what it says? No, it says Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison are shaken. At once, all the prison doors fly open and everyone's chains come loose. Here's a quick picture of the remains of that prison where Paul and Silas are thrown. So picture them in this dark, damp dirty cell. Is there a picture there of the prison cell? It's smelly. Their feet are in stocks. 
I wonder if there's any toilets, because if they are, they can't get to them because they can't move. And uh, with the company of the most vilest criminals, and Paul and Silas are praying and thanking God and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners are listening. I can just imagine it, eh? We worship you. And Paul and Silas is doing the beats on the stocks. And God's hearing them, and I reckon God's like, we worship. And suddenly, foundations are shaking. We worship. And suddenly, chains are falling off and doors are swinging open. So my point here is that we need to worship God in every circumstance. When your life is sold out for God, it doesn't matter where you find yourself. Because we know that God is good, and He works for the good of those who love Him. You guys know this off by heart, eh? Romans 8.28. And we know that in some things, God works for all things, Pastor Paul. What about a few things? Only the best situations? Everybody say, all things. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. Um, last week, John preached on Romans 12.1, and if you missed it, it's up on the Church Unlimited app. You can get it up on the phone. And he talked about the response to God's mercy. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's our response to what Jesus did for us. He was blindfolded, Jesus. And the soldiers, they would punch him in the face and they would mock him. Ah, <laughs> prophesy to us, Messiah. <laughs> Who hit you? He was stripped of his clothing, Jesus was. And he was beaten. He was dressed up like a king with a staff and they would grab his staff and hit him over the head. He was whipped until he was just about dead. And then he has to hang on the cross. So in view of God's mercy, he who didn't spare his son for us, we offer our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. My most powerful moment of witness would have been when our first baby died. I was working at this camp and I got this text message from a young person that I kept. I thought it was awesome. You know how me and my friend talk to you about staying Christian. Well, I can't speak for my friend, but after watching you and Link, there's no way we could not be Christian. Like, you're as inspirational as Mother Teresa and that Martin guy. So awesome. What's the pattern? Worship, suddenly, and fruit. I had to think what the jailer's punishment would be for letting all the prisoners out on his watch. He takes the sword and he goes to commit suicide because he can't bear the thought of what would happen to him. And Paul says, stop, wait, don't do it. We're all safe, we're all here, it's all good. The jailer called for the lights, Acts chapter 16, rushed in and trembling before Paul and Silas. How did he know it was Paul and Silas? How did he know that they caused this disruption? They must have heard them singing and praising. Verse 30, he then brought them out. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to all of the others in his house. So because their worship 
Because of their worship, they have this open platform where they can share the gospel with unbelievers. Okay, we're up to the third, suddenly, Acts chapter 28. It's unexpected protection. Paul is a prisoner on a ship sailing for Rome, and the ship comes across this massive storm, and all the prisoners and all the sailors on the ship, they're giving up hope, they think they're going to die. So Paul's, I guess, praying in the middle of the night, and he gets this prophecy that everyone's going to live. An angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream. And they, the shipwrecks, they end up on this island, and to warm themselves, they're lighting a fire, and out of the sticks comes this viper, a snake, that grabs hold of Paul's hand, and Paul just, Paul just shakes it off and carries on with what he was doing. Acts chapter 28, 5 and 6. Paul shook the snake off into the fire. With no ill effects, the people expected him to swell up or suddenly die. But after waiting a long time and seeing no unusual thing happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was God. So my point about worship here is worship with intimacy gives us authority. So Paul's in the middle of the storm. He's got this intimate relationship with God. And he gets a word and it gives him authority to take over the ship and tell everyone what's going to happen. And this is how we're going to land the boat on the island. And it also gives him authority over the snake bite. Acts chapter 27, 23 and 26. Last night an angel of God, to whom I belong and to whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he said it did. Nevertheless, we must run aground on the ship. He has authority over the ship and he has authority over the snake. In John chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 people on this awesome mission trip. And they come back just pumped about God. Even the demons, they're saying to Jesus, they just in your name. This is Jesus' response in verse 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. So I don't want you guys to go out and find the most poisonous snake and pick it up just because Emma told you to at church. But if the devil throws something in your way, you have all authority to overcome the power of the enemy in Jesus' name. So remember our pattern. We've got an aspect of worship. We've got this suddenly unexpected, unusual miracle. And we've got salvations. So this is awesome. I love what happens at the end of this. Paul overcomes the snake bite and the chief, chief official of the island invites him home. And Paul notices that the chief official's father is really sick. Acts chapter 28. The chief official's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, laid hands on him. Placed hands on him and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. starting to see miracles here at Church Unlimited, and it's awesome. It's my heart that there would be miracles called out every Sunday 
then what would happen? All the sick of Kaitai would come here because they know that this is the place that they're going to get healed. This is the place where the Spirit is poured out, where people of Church Unlimited have the authority to lay hands on people when they're not scared and they know His power. When I realised I had authority to lay hands on on the sick, I mustered up my energy at home and my faith and I was praying and learning about healing and I was saying, God, I'll go anywhere for you, I'll do anything for you. And this was at home where it was safe. But I thought, okay, today's the day. Anyone you want me to heal, I will heal for you in Jesus' name. And I take Leah to her kidney, and there's a lady over there, and she's telling people about herself back. And Holy Spirit says, there's your lady. And I'm saying, no, no way. In front of all these people. I said to Jesus, if you can get me alone with her, then I'll do it. I know that Jesus can't possibly get her alone, so I go home, and I'm happy that I didn't have to step out in faith. End of the day, I come to pick up Leah, my little girl, and Leah's outside looking for her gumboots with this particular lady, and we're all alone. There's nobody else around, and I just crack up, so I lay my hands on her, ask her if I can pray for her, and she says yes, and then I'm too scared to ask her what if anything happened, and so I avoid her for a long period of time, because I don't want to find out that maybe my prayer wasn't answered, but I did what Jesus asked me to do, and that was that. Then I open up Leah's daycare book and I see that Leah's been sharing the gospel with this particular lady. Today you were watching as I was writing the word Matariki on some paper. You pointed to the letter T and you said, that's a cross. And you said it a couple of times. This was obviously important to you, so I asked you, what do you know about the cross? You said, Jesus died on the cross and you told me about going to church with your family. Conviction. My little girl's brave enough to share the gospel, but not me. So I sit down with this lady next time I see her. Oh, hey, um, how's your back? Oh, Emma, she says. That came right pretty much straight after you prayed for me. Crazy, eh? I was in my um, bathroom just praying. It's the place where I have peace. You know how you lock the door, but you can still see the kids on the handle. Mum, mum. So I lock it in the and I'm seeking God for what he wants to do with Lincoln and our, my marriage. Because we've got an awesome marriage, I know God can use it. And I get this word that God wants to use our marriage in some sort of healing ministry. So I'm like, okay, cool, let's go and tell Lincoln. And I rush into the room and Lincoln looks at me and he goes, Oh, hey, Em, God wants to use our marriage in some sort of healing ministry. <laughs> so we start this, um, this journey of praying for people outside of the church. And Lincoln's talking to a man in his 60s. And he had a car accident when he was 19. He's had headaches for decades. And he's in the top five worst case headaches in New Zealand. So Lincoln asks if he can pray for him. And this man's just blown away, not by the prayer at this stage, but by the fact that Lincoln loved him enough to offer prayer. And no one had ever offered him prayer in his whole life. So Lincoln's laying hands on him, and the guy's just about falling over under the power of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, 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 whoa. And he has no headaches for a whole week, and he's blown away. He's never had a week that he can remember since the accident that he's had no headaches. But after a week, the headaches came back. So Lincoln said, my wife and I are just at church. We'll come over and we'll pray for you. And we both prayed about it, and we talked about the enemy and how we can speak to this headache and tell it to leave. And we did that, and he's weaning himself off his medication. I want to spend 
a bit of time worshipping together. But first I, I want to share one last story with you. Lincoln's sister's grandson, his name is Carlo, he was um, born with a bit of a deformity in his legs where his inside of his bone didn't grow and he would walk around like this and he's only one years, year old and he's learning how to walk and, and me and Lincoln are just like, we can't let this happen to someone little like this and we are at the beach and he sits this little boy down, ask his parents if we can pray for him. I said, yeah, you can pray. And we prayed and I had all this faith that it would just go click, 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 click and everything would be straight again and nothing happened. So oh, let's pray again. So we prayed again and there's no visible sign that anything's happening and we pray again and there's nothing and I went away a little bit, um, feeling a little bit stink. And so after a few months I messaged the mother and I said, you know, I'm still praying for your son. And she texted me back and she said, oh, we went to the specialist about a month ago and he x-rayed him and the inside of his bones have started to grow and they're correcting themselves. And today he's four years old, he's discharged, and the specialist acknowledges that there was nothing he did to make this little boy's legs grow. And even when we pray for something and we don't see it happening, it's happening. Things are happening. I'd just like to ask the worship team up. Remember our pattern? Worship. Followed by an unexpected, unusual miracle. Followed by salvation. One last slide, we're just going to have a little recap. We saw the disciples worshipping together and they experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And daily, people were getting saved. We saw Paul and Silas worshipping in every circumstance. We saw a breakthrough. It was an unusual miracle. And it was amazing. And then we saw suicide broken, household salvations. And then we saw Paul's intimacy and worship, his relationship with God, which gave him authority to lay hands on the sick. And it gave him unexpected protection. <coughs> if everyone could stand with me. you to close your eyes at this moment. Holy Spirit, we are inviting you to come this morning. And Lord, we've got this extended amount of time where we can spend some good moments with you in worship. So Holy Spirit, we're drawing close to you this morning and we're hungry for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We're drawing close to you, God. We worship you, Lord. God, we lift up to you those areas of our life that we need a sudden end. God, there's people here that are injured, that are unhealthy, that have a doctor's report that's not good. We're lifting these moments up to you to receive us suddenly this morning. God, there are people in this room whose children have fallen away from you. Lord, we're looking to you for us suddenly this morning that their household would be saved. God, people are facing desperate situations in this room and we're looking to you for sudden protection. <coughs> Thank you. 